Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana. In this episode, it's just me again. I'll be running through the data and insights from our 2021 ANZ Salesforce Market Survey. If you caught last week's episode, I shared my views on the data that we collected from hiring managers. And in this week's episode, I'll be focusing on the data we've collected from Salesforce professionals. I'll talk about some of the key findings and share my views and insight. I hope you enjoy it. So 48% of the Salesforce professionals that we surveyed this year have been working in the ecosystem for four to seven years. So that that's interesting because I think we're seeing a lot of now entrance to the market, people that are looking to get into Salesforce, but it shows that half of the people that answered this survey have been in the market for at least four years and no more than seven. And then obviously there are other people that have been in the market for longer and some that have been in the market for shorter. But it's interesting that that seems to be the, you know, the, the vast majority of the market that have been in it for that period of time. Only 4% of Salesforce professionals in ANZ are in between roles or immediately available. I spoke to a client recently about a role and they um, they were underpaying quite considerably for a position. And I explained that to them and their response was, well, surely there are more people on the market because of COVID. And yeah, absolutely not in the Salesforce ecosystem. We haven't seen you know more people immediately available right now. There was There was a period of time kind of mid to late last year where there were more people on the market and um, contracts had ended. You know, unfortunately, a few people were made redundant, but the market has really, really rapidly recovered. And it's quite rare now to find an experienced person that's on the market immediately available. And interestingly, project managers were the most immediately available talent in the market. So I think that was telling us that maybe at that time in February 2021, there weren't necessarily any brand new projects that had kicked off or perhaps were in need of a project manager because there were more. And I remember around the time I was speaking to project managers that were immediately available. So I think that was the one skill set where we saw more available talent than than any other. Across the board, across um, Australia and New Zealand, the contract market makes up 21% of ANZ Salesforce ecosystem. So roughly two out of every 10 candidates or Salesforce professionals are contracting, which is interesting. I think that will continue to grow. Um, I think over time that that might creep up closer to, you know, maybe four out of 10 over time. Who knows what the future holds, but I do see more and more people moving into the contract market. So turnover is a hot topic, um, but 57% of Salesforce professionals expect to be in their current role for at least the next 12 months, which is great. Good to see that people are happy in their roles and expect to stay. I think retention has been a, a massive problem in the market. And I think if, you know, everyone's looking for talent at the moment, but It's good to see people enjoying their roles and enjoying the jobs they're doing. From the Salesforce Certified Technical Architects that we surveyed, 82% expect to be with their employer this time next year. So they seem to be the happiest, the most loyal um, of all of the job titles or skill sets or levels of of candidates, I guess. They seem to be the, the most committed to their current employer. So eight out of 10 CTAs expect to be with their current employer in 12 months' time. I wish I knew who the 20% were. That would be very handy. 31% of Salesforce professionals said that the opportunity to work on challenging projects was the number one attraction to their current role. So um, the role that they're in right now, 31% joined because it was an interesting project or an interesting opportunity. 
I think a lot of these people would have been joining this company or this role, you know, maybe a year, maybe over a year ago now. So at that time, projects was the key factor. I think a few things have changed. So this year, when we ask candidates what they're going to be looking for from their next employer, it's actually changed. So it's gone from 31% looking for interesting projects to 41% now say work-life balance is the most important factor for when they next move role. And that's really something that companies need to consider. It's not just about the work. It's not just about the remuneration. It's about the, the work-life balance, the flexibility, the ability to lead their life and, and deliver on their broader responsibilities outside of work and you know enjoy a bit more flexibility and, uh, and balance, I think, is, is probably key. So, yeah, that's really interesting that that's changed. And I think that's, that's probably changed broader than just the Salesforce ecosystem. That's probably something that, yeah, lots of people globally are now looking for a better work-life balance. So 31% of Salesforce professionals said that they would prefer a contract role in their next move, which is interesting because if 21%, I think the stat was, makes up the contract market, and I predict some growth, we are seeing that more and more people do want to move into the contract market. So um, 31% of Salesforce professionals said that they would prefer a contract role in their next move. And they prefer a daily rate. So typically, you know, I don't enjoy recruiting for fixed term contracts. Um, I think it's a it's a challenge, um, not just for the recruiter, but why people would choose a fixed term contract over a permanent role, which gives them more security, or over a contract role that gives them a higher daily rate, unless it's a, a really standout career defining opportunity or something they just can't get in a contract or a permanent role. And we find it's it's definitely the third option for anyone that's looking to move roles. So only 9% of Salesforce professionals would consider a fixed term contract, which is interesting as well, because I, I actually think there's a, a little bit of misunderstanding between contract and fixed term. I actually think less, less candidates than 9% would actually consider a fixed term contract if they, they understood the actual uh, what a fixed term contract is. And for anyone that doesn't that's listening, a fixed term contract is basically a permanent role, but it has an end date. So you are paid a salary, you're on the payroll of the employer, uh, you accrue annual leave, you accrue sick leave, but you have a, a period of time that you're going to be on that contract. And then there is an end date. So, you know, it's typically 12 months. And at the end of the 12 month, there is no commitment that you'll continue in employment um, from your side or their side. So whereas on a, a daily rate contract, you're paid a daily rate, which is um, is typically higher than, than that of a permanent or fixed term contract role. You don't accrue sick leave or annual leave. Um, and it is usually for a fixed period. So six, 12, sometimes three months, but then it can renew and can extend. And typically when people are looking to go into the contract market, they're looking to be a daily rate contractor rather than a fixed term contractor. Interestingly, the rise of the end user has uh, has come about in 2021. So 33% of Salesforce professionals that we surveyed in ANZ would ideally like to work for a private end user organization. So when we ask this question, we give them the option of working for Salesforce, working for a consulting partner, uh, working for a not-for-profit, working for uh, an app exchange product or an ISV company. And 33% said they would prefer or choose to work for an end user company over any other organization. And the other option in there also is government departments. 28% um, did say that they would like to work for Salesforce, the company itself. And interestingly, that was the highest preference last year. So 39% last year said they would like to work for Salesforce as their preference, which has dropped. Um, I don't know what has brought about that drop. I wouldn't have expected that drop. But yeah, it's really interesting to see. And obviously, we, we see a huge amount of volume and demand coming out of consulting partners. So um, the stat that 14% of candidates that we surveyed would like to work for a consulting partner as a first preference, 
It's a lot lower than I think the consulting partners would like to hear. It's lower than I was expecting as well. I think it depends on skill sets, but we get a lot of people wanting to work for consulting partners because you get variation in products and projects and, and exposure to different things. And I think there's there's benefits of working for, for you know, uh, end users, government departments that each have their own um, benefits and um, and attractions. But consulting partner typically has uh, has been a preference for a lot of people. So it's interesting to see that has dropped this year. And only 3% of Salesforce professionals would prefer to work for a not-for-profit organization, which is uh, it's a shame because I know a lot of not-for-profits need help and need good people. And uh, I would like to understand what's driving that because whether it's um, it's the products that not-for-profits use that, that aren't as attractive um, to certain professionals, I, I'm not sure. Maybe that's one thing. Uh, maybe people perceive the pay not to be as good. So yeah, there's, there's a few factors that could go into that. Who knows? 72% of Salesforce professionals in ANZ are contacted two or more times per month regarding new opportunities. And 33% are contacted at least four times per month. So we know there's a lot of demand. You know, I'm reaching out to a lot of these people. Um, I would say a lot of those contacts are probably uh, probably me and uh, and my peers from the other Salesforce recruitment businesses. But we're also seeing more generalist recruitment companies getting into the, the Salesforce world. And uh, yeah, companies hiring uh, directly and approaching people. So uh, so yeah, the demand is is ever growing. And then 11% of Salesforce architects and developers are contacted over nine times a month regarding new opportunities. So yeah, 11% of Salesforce architects and developers are contacted over nine times per month, which is insane, right? Nine times per month about a new role. And that goes to show, you know, they are the, the hottest markets um, or the, the most candidate short in comparison to, to volume of opportunities or quality and experience short. We looked at Salesforce platform managers, and it's a really interesting title because it can mean completely different things between companies. Um, some companies uh, will hire someone as the platform manager, and they're the solo admin, and, and they're keeping the lights on, and, and they're responsible for, for the platform, whereas others um, will hire a platform manager, and they'll have a big team of, of Salesforce professionals reporting to them and responsibilities for road mapping and, and project delivery and managing vendors and all sorts of different things. But interestingly, 33% of Salesforce platform managers currently do not have any direct reports. So that kind of aligns to the fact that there are lots of platform managers out there that are solo admins with that title. 25% have between two and four direct reports. And 17% have 10 or more direct reports. So the, the platform managers where you're going to have 10 or more direct reports of the big enterprise, you know, the Telstra's, the AMPs, the NABs, the MBNs, uh, the companies like that, where the, the internal Salesforce teams are significantly larger than, than you know, some of the, the SMB and, and smaller businesses where they just have one admin. But yeah, that, that kind of size internal team isn't that common. So that's why only 17% of platform managers have large teams like that. Looking forward to, to remuneration and looking at new roles, um, 78% of Salesforce professionals told us that they wouldn't move role unless they were securing a pay rise, which is, it, it's it's funny because um, people have told us that work-life balance is the most important factor, but then also they're telling us they wouldn't move unless they were securing a pay rise. So I think obviously work-life balance is important, but equally a pay increase and progression and growth is also important to people if they're saying they wouldn't move role unless they were being paid a higher salary. We looked at the products that people have experience with. 93% of candidates told us they'd worked with Sales Cloud, and 89% said Service Cloud, 
And next up was was marketing cloud with 49% of people have communities or experience cloud experience. So sales cloud, service cloud, and communities are the, the three top ones um, with marketing cloud coming in fourth. And then interestingly, we've got things like field service lightning, seeing a lot of growth, CPQ, financial services cloud, and not-for-profit cloud. So we are seeing a fair bit of growth in some of the more specialized areas, but I think it's it's always going to be consistent that sales cloud, service cloud, and communities are the leaders because either one or two of them companies will have, or sometimes three, um, but they're the common ones that we see with most companies. 77% of Salesforce developers have told us that they have now built Lightning Web Components in a practical environment outside of Trailhead or a developer org. So when we surveyed last year, only 55% of people had Lightning Web Components experience. I think it's it's probably in keeping with what we would expect. More and more people are, are moving uh, to just doing Web Components and, and transitioning some of their legacy code um, into to the more recent technology. So I think that will just continue to grow. Um, it does go to show, though, that if you aren't doing Lightning Web Components at the moment, you are missing out and perhaps you are falling behind the other developers in the market that are doing web component development. And we are seeing more and more companies expecting people to have done this. So uh, if, you're, if you aren't, that's maybe something you need to think about and how you, uh, you pick that up. Uh, or uh, or gain some practical experience. 26% of marketing cloud professionals that were surveyed would consider a role outside of the Salesforce ecosystem. Another stat that, that surprises me, just because we we are seeing a lot of demand in the, the marketing cloud space. From my knowledge and from, from what I can see, we do see people you know, go in and out of the, the marketing automation technologies. So they might work with part of at one company, marketing cloud at another, and then, uh, you know, go somewhere that uses HubSpot or Adobe campaign or, or one of these other platforms and then come back into Salesforce. So I'm not surprised that some would consider a role outside of the ecosystem, but one in four, uh, 26% sounds pretty high to me. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's something that I wasn't expecting. And then 84% of candidates said that based on current market and trends, they are optimistic about the continued growth of Salesforce opportunities in their area of expertise. So that's great. I mean, I think it's exciting that people are confident and uh, are feeling that there's good opportunity coming through in the market. Uh, and I would I would definitely echo that. I think there's, there's still lots of growth to be had in the market and lots of, of opportunity coming through. Looking at MuleSoft professionals, MuleSoft professionals reported an increase in the volume of opportunities since the Salesforce acquisition. 66% of MuleSoft professionals told us there was more opportunity now than before the acquisition. And 36% said that there has been an increase in salaries and or daily rates since the acquisition. So I think whenever Salesforce acquires something or someone, um, it creates a lot of opportunity for that technology. So that's no surprise. And 56% of MuleSoft professionals told us that they're currently investing time into learning more about the core Salesforce platform or have already done so. So it's good that, that we're seeing uh, people wanting to upskill and, and kind of learn more about more than just their, their side of the integration world, but coming into the Salesforce world and understanding the core Salesforce platform. We hear a lot that admins are frustrated about there being a requirement for Apex or, or job specs showing that they need someone that can do Apex or interview questions asking about code. So there's no surprise that most Salesforce administrators told us they shouldn't be expected to code. Uh, 84% said that, in fact. Again, that could even be higher. I'm surprised it's only 84, could be closer to kind of 95 um, based on the conversations I have. And it's quite rare for an admin to expect to, to need to code or be expected to code. But yeah, it's interesting to know. 
Lightning Flows. I've been trying to upskill with Lightning Flows recently for my app builder certification, which I, I unfortunately failed. They are quite complex and difficult to get your head around. And from the, the Salesforce administrators that we surveyed, 36% told us that they would be an intermediate level when building Lightning Flows. So it's quite rare to find someone that would say they're, they're a specialist or an expert on Lightning Flows. But it's exciting because I think a lot of cool things are being done with Flows and there's lots of capability. So the more people learn, the more we can do with them and uh, the more value companies will get out of this new automation and, and the, not requiring as much code as perhaps we previously had. And then 41% of the Salesforce administrators that we surveyed um, would consider themselves to be mid-level, uh, which is uh, interesting. Yeah, I, um, I'm not sure what I make of, of that stat, but it's interesting that only 41% would say mid-level because I think if we look at some of the other skill sets, it's quite rare to find someone that would class themselves as mid-level, especially in the developer space, which we'll get onto shortly. We looked at career progression from Salesforce administrator. So um, the, the most common career path or career progression plan from admin is functional consultant. 30% of Salesforce administrators told us that's the path they want to go down. 22% said solution architect and 19 said platform manager. So uh, yeah, I think that's pretty common with what I see consistent with the conversations I have. Um, a lot of admins do want to move into that functional consulting space. So how this relates to the admin comment I made around seeing themselves as mid-level, if we now focus on the developer skill set and the, the developer role, 2% of developers would class themselves as junior. 12% would class themselves as mid-level. 41% would class themselves as senior and 45% would class themselves as a lead developer. Now, if I asked my clients now um, what their perception of the market is, we wouldn't have 86% of the candidates in the market being senior or lead developers based on, on a lot of the feedback that we hear of, of interviews. So it's really interesting that I think there is a massive imbalance between what someone sees being a senior with their own skill set compared to what you know companies out there are looking for or expecting from a senior um, in the market, especially if you look at some of the more complex software engineering practices or businesses in the fintech world or real estate technology, health tech, they're looking for, for really, really hardcore, solid engineers. And quite often they, they don't find that um, when they're interviewing Salesforce developers in the market. And then if you look at the consulting space as well, I think there'd be an imbalance there from when someone would say they're a senior compared to the expectations of a lot of the consulting practices. 71% of Salesforce developers consider themselves to be full stack Salesforce developers. So we're seeing more and more front end developers coming into the market and, and picking up Lightning Web Components. We don't see that many back-end only developers now. I think most people are expected. We see some, but I think most people are expected to be kind of full stack um, unless they are front-end developers that kind of dabble and, and come into the Salesforce ecosystem for that, that specialized and specific front-end work. But yeah, I would say most Salesforce developers would, would do a bit of everything, um, which is consistent with our findings this year. I always find it interesting what the difference is between a solution and a technical architect. So we put the question this year to solution architects. We asked if they come from a coding background. And I think typically in the broader IT marketplace, a solution architect comes from a more functional background, a more functional path. So it was interesting to see that 54% of the solution architects that we surveyed do come from a coding background. And I think there's a blurred line between what a solution architect and a technical architect does or what when someone calls themselves a solution architect or a technical architect in this ecosystem. I think, uh, yeah, it's it. like now we're seeing a lot of solution architects going for their CTA and 
you know, obviously a lot, as we've found a lot of solution architects are actually from a coding background. So there isn't that clear differentiation between functional and technical now when it gets to the architect level. 57% of Salesforce developers are currently upskilling in other programmatic languages, which is amazing to hear. We're seeing more and more demand for, for developers that know more than just Salesforce and people that know Node.js and people that can do technical coding challenges in a language that isn't Apex. So I think it's really important to continue investing in that space. 51% of solution architects have aspirations to become a CTA. I just touched on that point, but it's interesting that over half of solution architects see themselves becoming a CTA one day. And for 29% of, of those that do want to become a CTA, they see that as a goal that will take two years or more to achieve. This year, for the first time ever, we segmented our data further and we, we surveyed CTA specifically as well. And we didn't just bundle all technical architects under one skill set or one level. So from the CTAs that we surveyed, 56% said it took at least two attempts to pass the review board, but most passed within uh, so three attempts or, or less. So, uh, so yeah, the, the, it goes to show there's no shame in, in failing the, the review board. Most people from our, our results do fail at some point, but it's great that people persist and uh, eventually get there. And most Salesforce CTAs that we surveyed have been working in the Salesforce ecosystem for between five and nine years prior to passing the review board. So it goes to show it's no quick fix. It's not something you can just pick up and, and, and do straight away. It takes time, effort, and experience to get to that point. Of all of the architects that, that we spoke to that aren't certified at the moment, but plan to go down that path, 47% believe that could happen within the next 12 months, which has gone up. So 24 months ago, only 25% of aspiring CTAs felt they could achieve it in the next 12 months. And I think that goes to show there are more resources out there. There's, you know, there, there are online groups, there's things like Flow Republic, our great podcast sponsors that help CTAs on their journey. And then lots of consulting partners have their own internal CTA academies now. So there is a lot more help and a lot more guidance and, and more information online to get to that point. So maybe that's why people are seeing it as an achievable goal in a quicker period of time. With remote working and COVID, so 92% of Salesforce professionals that we, we surveyed, and they have a preference for adopting a permanent or regular remote working pattern. And no surprise there. And uh, in keeping with the, the manager survey, two days a week working from the office is the preferred balance. So yeah, it's interesting. I think we, like uh, I said, I think it was around 6% of hiring managers want people to be in the office full time. And, and that just makes it very difficult to attract talent. Overworking was the biggest challenge that Salesforce professionals have found with remote working so far. 41% of, of people we surveyed said that overworking was the problem. And only 3% said that technology was a challenge and through the whole remote working COVID time. So yeah, I think, you know, the technology now, everyone can work remotely. So I hope and I believe people will continue adopting that and, um, and, and giving people opportunity to have that work-life balance and that flexibility they need. 61% of Salesforce professionals told us they were impacted in some way because of COVID. So that could have been moving to remote working. It could have been um, a salary decrease or... or some, I know some people um, lost a day's work per week or some people had their salary reduced by 20%. So there was definitely an impact on the Salesforce market, definitely not as much as some other industries or technologies. But yeah, there was, uh, there was definitely some impact. 83% though of Salesforce professionals weren't impacted by COVID in terms of their hours or pay. So there, there were a few cases, but 
um, not as many as maybe um, some hiring managers or companies expect, which is is good to see. Uh, we we surveyed obviously um, pretty much every city in ANZ and and the people in those places and and working in the city is still the preference for most people across the the region. So people typically want to travel into the CBD um, rather than work in in different locations or or outside. If they have to travel to a client site or travel to to uh, you know the office, they would prefer that to be in the the CBD. Only four percent said they'd like to work in a regional office. You know, I think we 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 would need to break that down further into different locations, which it's obviously um, yeah, it, it's difficult to do. But that's just something to consider. Like, if you don't have an office in the CBD and you're asking people to come to the office, that might not be ideal for candidate attraction moving forward. Interestingly, less than half, forty-two percent of non-certified technical architects have a mentor, which is interesting. I think if you are looking to go down that path, I think it's really important to have a mentor or someone that you can ask. So yeah, just focusing on the review board and mentorship space, less than half non-certified technical architects have a mentor, which which I think is something they should address. If you are looking to go down that path, um, I would look at changing that because 82% of certified technical architects had a, a mentor through their journey. And I think that's really important. That's that's the the consistent feedback we get from people is that that that's invaluable having a a, a mentor through the journey. Eighty six percent of Salesforce professionals are optimistic about the continued growth of Salesforce opportunities in their area of expertise. And then finally, most Salesforce administrators rate the adoption within their current or last employer as high. So fifty eight percent told us that. So they're they're kind of more forward-looking confidence. So Salesforce is obviously doing a good job. Um, adoption's high within companies and Salesforce professionals are feeling optimistic about the future. So I, uh, I'm i always very happy with the survey. Um, Gemma does a great job of getting it all put together. So thank you very much to Gemma. And, and it's a job that takes a lot of time and a lot of uh, mental and, and brain capacity, uh, definitely capacity I don't have. So, um, so yeah, really appreciative of Gemma for putting that all together. I really hope everyone gets some value out of this. Hopefully, if you've just listened to this episode, um, you'll still go away and download the survey because I think there's lots of things I haven't touched on. I've, I've just kept it quite high level and, and touched on some of the, the, the interesting points and given my view on those. But I think there's still lots of value in downloading the survey. And yeah, hopefully you enjoy the, the content we continue to put out and you enjoy this podcast. And one thing I would ask if you've got to this point in the podcast and you, you've enjoyed listening and hearing my view on things, and you've enjoyed other episodes of the podcast, is if you would be willing to, to leave a, a recommendation on the, the podcast platform of your choice or a review. The more reviews, the more exposure we get for the podcast, and hopefully more and more people can get value from the guests we have and the people that we continue to bring on week by week, uh, and also some of the insights that we're providing. So yeah, thanks so much if you've got to this point, and please feel free to reach out with any questions you have. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope you have enjoyed the insight and the data that we've provided. If you have, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. And if you've really enjoyed the episodes and you're a regular listener, I'd be very, very grateful if you could share a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Reviews help us get further exposure to more Salesforce trailblazers and hopefully other people can gain some value from the podcast too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talent Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. Um, We're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible, and your reviews will help us do that.